Lord, we praise you for who you are. We pray that you speak through your word. Guide us and direct us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Why don't you just think about that for a minute? Nothing the enemy has, nothing anyone can ever do can pull you away from the power of God if you are in his hand. Till he returns and calls me home, here, in the power of Christ, I'll stand. I've told this before, I'll say it again, just as a reminder, when I die, that song will be sung at my funeral. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal song. I'm going to do something today that I rarely, rarely ever do. Probably two or three times in all the time I've preached, um, have I ever done anything like this, similar to this. I'm not one who responds to what's going on around us or to, to people when I preach. I don't preach at people per se. Uh, somebody upsets me. Y'all never usually know it. I'm frustrated or aggravated. I'll just tell you I'm frustrated and aggravated. But I won't tell you about what or who. But a couple of times over the years, I felt a direct influence from the Holy Spirit to deal with something. Um, I dealt with, one time I dealt with uh, some gossip. It was actually back the time we had a bunch of teenagers and they were fighting amongst each other and they were running each other down. And I just had enough of it. We dealt with it publicly. Um, and I didn't call anybody out by name or anything, but I just dealt with the subject and I told them what I was dealing with and why I was dealing with it. And today I'm going to do something similar to that. Um, I'm going to do a little differently because, to be honest with you, it's not us. <laughs> but it's part of us. Um, in the last few weeks, we have a former member of our church which I will not tell you who it is. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. That was about perfect, Sam. <laughs> um, uh, um, <clears throat> who has taken a stand publicly on social media that is completely and totally against the word of God. They would disagree with me, I am sure. And they have every right to. But I feel like as a pastor, I need to address this because I know, some of y'all have no idea who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about, and that's fine. Because when I get into the message, it's not going to be about that. I'm just telling you why I'm doing this. Because some of you know exactly who I'm talking about, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you have already been affected. 
they have reached into your world and they've impacted you. And that's why I'm addressing this today. They have very publicly posted things on social media. And I started to bring some things and read them to you, and I thought, I'm not even gonna, I'm not doing that. But they very publicly posted some things that deny that Christ is the Son of the living God, that He is God incarnate, and that through Him and only through Him can we have a relationship with God Almighty. They have taken an Old Testament stance of works through the law. And they have every right to whatever opinion they want to have. But when they start reaching into us and trying to influence us, I have every responsibility to preach the truth. Amen. I'll be honest with you, I'm glad that I don't have much of a voice. It's having to cause me to temper myself a little bit. I'm glad I don't feel great today because it's causing me to not be as animated. Because I'd like to scream and holler. (laughs) I'd like to rant and rave. But I'm not going to do that today. What I'm going to do is take you to a passage of Scripture that Jesus dealt with this very situation. Matthew chapter number 16. And this really does fall into our new series that we're heading into this week. The Everyday Gospel. Matthew chapter 16. I'm gonna I'm gonna read some lengthy passages today. I don't have a whole lot of text of conversation. We're gonna talk a little bit about as we read. <clears throat> Verse number one, and again I'm reading out of the ERV today. It says the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus. They wanted to test him. So they asked him to show them a miracle as a sign from God. Jesus answered, when you people see the sunset, you know what the weather will be. The sky is red, you'll say, we have good weather. In the morning, if the sky is dark and red, you will say, it will be a rainy day. These are signs of the weather. You see these signs in the sky and know what they mean. In the same way, you see the signs that are happening now. These are the signs, but you don't know their meaning. It is the evil and sinful people who want to see a miracle as a sign from God. But no miracle will be done to prove anything to them. The only sign, the miracle, will be the miracle that happened to Jonah. Then Jesus went away from there. He's talking about his resurrection three days in the the deep, three days in the tomb. He'll be resurrected. Watch this sign. He's talking, who's he talking to? He's talking to the religious leaders of Israel. Pharisees and Sadducees. <clears throat> Verse number 2. 
Jesus and his followers went across the lake, but the followers forgot to bring bread. Jesus said to the followers, be careful. Guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The followers discussed the meaning of this, and they said, did Jesus say this because we forgot to bring bread? Which just cracks me up. And it, I mean, as we get into this passage, you'll see why. Jesus knew what they were talking about this, so he asked them, why are you talking about not having bread? Your faith is so small. Do you still not understand? Remember the five loaves of bread fed 5,000 people and the many baskets you filled with the bread that was left? Remember the seven loaves of bread that fed the 4,000 people and the many baskets that you filled at that time? So how could you think that I'm concerned about bread? I'm telling you to be careful and guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then the followers understood what Jesus meant. He was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread. He was telling them to guard against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was saying, be careful what you listen to. Everybody that claims to know what the Word says, and these were people who were studied in the Old Testament. They knew the Scripture that was given in that day. They missed the point. The point was standing in front of them, and they could not see Him. And He said, be careful what you listen to. So Jesus went to the area of Caesarea Philippi and he said to his followers, he asked them a question. Who do people say I am? They answered, some people say you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah. Some say you are Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then Jesus said to his followers, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus answered, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. No one taught you that. My Father in heaven showed you who I am. So I tell you, you are Peter. And I will build my church on this rock. The power of death will not be able to defeat my church. I will give you the keys of God's kingdom. The power of the church is set on the foundation that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Amen. Without that, we're wasting our time here. That is the message of the church. That is the power of the church. So what was this yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? I don't know if you know much about them. Listen, this is not going to be a great, deep, doctrinal dive into the deity of Christ. I had really thought about that. To be honest with you, I didn't have the time to put that together when this kind of came together the last day or two. There will be some teaching this year. We had already planned on it, on uh, some, some looks at that um, towards the uh, Christmas season. And so we're going to talk about that this year. But... Uh, but I want to just kind of, kind of break this apart today. What was the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? I don't know if you know much about them, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't agree much on doctrine. I mean, they, they didn't agree hardly on anything. 
about the texts, about the Word of God. They argued doctrine with one another. They're one of their biggest complaints. And if you read the book of Acts, Paul used it against the Pharisees and the Sadducees one time when he got arrested. But, but the Sadducees don't believe in life after death. The Pharisees did believe in life after death. Now, they, that's just simplistically put what they believe. And, and they were always arguing with each other about it. And they were always trying to have context within the scriptures. They're trying to prove their point to one another. And they thought, I honestly thought about the Republicans and the Democrats when I thought about this. That's kind of what they were like. They just fought to be fighting. Didn't matter what the other side said, we're just going to disagree with it. And we're going to try to prove our point with something that, that's irrelevant. We're missing the point. The one thing that they could really agree on was they hated John the Baptist and they hated Jesus. I mean, they were against both of them terribly. Mostly because John the Baptist proclaimed publicly that Jesus was the Messiah. The one they had been looking for, but they hadn't seen it. And so, because he didn't fit what they wanted him to be, they turned against him. If you go back to Matthew chapter 1, when Matthew begins his gospel, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 says, This is the family history of Jesus, the Messiah. Let me tell you how he, his family is. He came from the family of David, who was from the family of Abraham. And then it goes down this long list, genealogy. Well, if you know anything about genealogies, and you may not in Scripture or in Old Testament days, that genealogy was about as messed up as it could get. Because you never started with yourself. You always started with who was considered the greatest ancestor and then you came forward. Matthew said, no, we're going to start with the greatest. Jesus, who is the Messiah. And then we're going to tie in the two men that God has put out front as being the promised seed through their lineage. Abraham. Well, the Jews and the Muslims can claim Abraham. They do. But not David. The Jews do. But Christianity is based on the offspring, the promise, the fulfillment of Scripture that God gave concerning these two. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. Just going to give you a couple of verses here. Um, I get my fingers to turn. David is being moved in Second Samuel seven is when David is being moved to build the new temple, the house for God. And he goes to the prophet and he tells him. I want to build this new temple for God. And God tells the prophet, tell David, I didn't need his temple before. I don't necessarily need it now. That's, where, that's what this is all about. 
in verse number 16, as David is, as Nathan is, is um, sharing with David what God has said, this is the promise that in, after he kind of reprimands him a little bit for wanting to build this house of, of wood to house God, this temple. This is the promise that God gives to David. He says, I pushed Saul away when I turned to you. Verse 16, your family of kings will continue. You can depend on that. For you, your kingdom will continue forever. Your throne will stand forever. That was a prophecy that God's eternal throne would come through King David. Because we know that the natural human throne died off. People got killed. But that's a prophecy. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, something we read at um, Christmas time. Um, Y'all will uh, recognize this passage. If I can get to it. Um, Isaiah chapter 9 is, is a passage that is read often in the Christmas season. Um, we may even preach from it this year some. Isaiah chapter 9 says, talking about um, there will be an end to the gloom those people suffered. In the past, people thought that the land of Zebulun and Naphtali was not important, but later that land was on, will be honored. The land along the sea, the land east of the Jordan River, Galilee, these people where people from other nations live, those people lived in darkness but they will see a great light. They lived in a place as dark as death, but a great light will shine on them. God, you will make the nation grow and you will make the people happy. They will rejoice in your presence as they do at harvest time. It will be like the joy when people take their share of things when they won a war. That will happen because you will lift the heavy yoke off their shoulders and take away their heavy burden. You will take away the rod that the enemy used to punish your people as you did when you defeated Midian. Every booth that marched in battle and every uniform stained with blood will be destroyed and thrown in the fire. This will happen when that special child is born. God will give us a son who will be responsible for leading his people. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. His power will continue to grow and there will be peace without end. This will establish him as the king sitting on David's throne and ruling his kingdom. He will rule with goodness and justice forever and ever. The strong love that the Lord all-powerful has for the people will make this happen. God says that the throne of David will be fulfilled by one who is to come. And we know that that was Jesus Christ. And it's not yet fulfilled as it is in that day of prophecy. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted to proclaim that Jesus was not the Messiah. We run to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 talks about the baptism of Jesus. 
Verse number 13 tells us very specifically about the baptism. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River. He came to John wanting John to baptize him, but John tried to stop him. John said, Why do you come to be baptized? I should be baptized by you. Jesus answered, Let it be this way for now. We should do whatever God says is right. Then John agreed. So Jesus would baptize. And as soon as he came up out of the water, the sky opened. And he saw God's Spirit coming down in like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the one I love. I'm very pleased with him. God himself declared Jesus to be a Son. That really goes back to two passages if you wanted to go look. And I'm just going to tell them to you. You can look at them later. Psalm 2, 1 through 7. Talking about the promise that there would be a son. His son would take over and rule and reign. Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Another Old Testament promise of God's son ruling and reigning. And there are hundreds of those in Scripture. I'm just giving you two of them. John chapter 1. Matthew carries to the lineage of David and Abraham things that the Jews love to hold on to. The throne of David. John said, now let me tell you about it. Let me tell you the truth. In the beginning, before the earth was made, the Word was there. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Amen. You cannot cut that any other way. The Word was with God and He was God. He was there with God in the beginning. Everything was made through Him. And nothing was made without him. In him there is life. And that life was a light for the people of the world. The light shines in darkness. And the darkness has not defeated it. And he skips to another thing. He said there was a man named John. Who was sent by God. Verse 10 says the word was already in the world when John came. Though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to the world that was his own, and his own people did not accept him, but some people did accept him. They believed in him. They gave him the right, and he gave them the right to become children of God. They became God's children, but not in the way babies are born. It was not because of any human desire or plan. They were born from God Himself. The Word, same Word we talked about in verse 1. The Word, who was God, became a man and lived among us. We saw His great, His divine greatness. The greatness that belonged to the only Son of the Father. The word was full of grace and truth. And John told people about him. 
verse number 16, yes, the word was full of grace and truth, and from him all received one blessing after another. That is, the law was given to us through Moses. But grace and peace came to us through Jesus, who is the Christ, the Messiah, the one we're talking about. The Word of God clearly says that Jesus is the promised Messiah sent from God. So clearly the yeast of these people was the disbelief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God sent to take away the sin of the world. So he tells them, be careful what you listen to. Because just because it sounds like good doctrine doesn't mean it is. So then Jesus asked his disciples to tell him what the popular idea is about who he is. Hey, tell me what everybody else out here in the world is thinking. The world, mind you, the world. What does the lost people think about us? And they came up with some ideas. We're going to see in just a moment that the truth of who Jesus is, God incarnate, which means in the flesh, can't be revealed to mankind except by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Your lost neighbor, my lost neighbor, my lost family member, your lost family member, are never going to come to God by watching you. They're only going to come to God by you sharing the gospel message of who Jesus is and why He came and then the Holy Spirit of God taking that information and pressing it into their heart and their spirit and giving them life. God is the one that brings salvation. Not you and I. We're just told to go share the message. We're the messenger. Men will never come to the correct conclusion of who God is on their own. They're going to wander around and call Him everything else out there. They're going to wander around out there and they're going to look for something that sounds right. He was a prophet. Maybe, maybe He's that John the Baptist guy come back to life. Now how much sense does that make? Maybe he's one of the prophets that died hundreds of years ago and come back to life, reincarnated. I mean, that's how crazy these ideas are, but is that not what we hear today? That Jesus is something. He's just not the Messiah. The anointed one. The one that God chose. God Himself in the flesh. If Jesus is not the Christ, if He is not the Son of God, then I just got to tell you, we're the most stupid people I ever met. Because I got a sore throat and I feel like crud. And I could be home. And I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the world right now. 
with you. And this ain't nothing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, if this isn't real, we're among men the most miserable people in all the world. Because if this is all the hope we got, if there's not something real behind this, who did Jesus say he was? You know, you can cut through a whole lot of stuff when you just go straight and ask the question. When it comes down to Jesus' crucifixion, they finally got around to doing that. Sure, I get it right. The story of when Jesus faced the religious leaders at the time of his crucifixion. They ask Jesus plainly, Who are you? And Jesus replied, and I, and I guess I wrote the wrong passage down. In, I'm not going to stand here and try to find out what I'm talking to you. But Jesus answered. They asked him, he said, are you the son of God? And he said clearly, yes, I am the son of God. Clear language. No hesitation. And for that, the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, you deserve death. Crucify him. Jesus' two favorite statements about himself. Son of God, Son of Man. We're going to deal in, delve into those two statements, like I said, November and December as we get into the holiday season, as we look at the birth of the Savior. But Son of Man is used thousands of times in the Old and New Testament as Jesus is prophesied and as He refers to Himself. So Jesus was clear. And what He wanted to know from the people that followed Him is who you say I am. I know what they say. I know who I am. Who do you say I am? And Peter's response was the Messiah. 
the son of the living God. He was the anointed one, the Christ. If we're his church, if we're his bride, what is it we declare today about who he is? The way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman, no person, can come to the Father except through Him. Is that what we believe? Because if it's what we believe, we must stand against those that tell us that there's some other way. Now, we don't have to be mean or rude. We don't have to be polite and accepting either. I want to tell you, there's some doctrine out there in other places that don't teach what we just quoted. They'll teach you there's another way. Or there's a little added to. There's some work that you have to do. Go read the book of Galatians and see what Paul said about that. When they were saying that a, a, a man had to be circumcised to be right with God, to be saved, to truly be saved, to be a, a child of God. Paul said that's hogwash. And he said if it was true, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, we're old enough in here. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. He said but if it was true, then I'd rather be castrated. I don't want to take any chances. That's how serious Paul was with it. Well, here's what we're to declare. This is what Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the church of Fresh Start Fellowship. This is what we believe. This is what we will stand on. This is what we will declare as long as I stand in the pulpit of this church. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember the good news, the gospel I told you. You receive that gospel message. And you continue to base your life on it. The good news or the gospel, the message you heard from me, is God's way to save you. But you must continue believing it. If you don't, you believed for nothing. I gave you the message that I received. I told you most important truths. That Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. That he was buried. He was raised to life on the third day, as the scriptures say. He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve apostles. And after that, Christ appeared to more than 500 other believers at the same time. Most of them are still living today, but some have died. Then he appeared to James, and later to all the apostles. Last of all, Paul said, he appeared to me. I was different, like a baby born before the normal time. All the other apostles are greater than I. I say this because I persecuted the church of God. That's why I'm not even good enough to be called an apostle, but because of God's grace, that is what I am. And His grace that He gave me was not wasted. I worked harder than any other apostle. But it's not really me working. It was God's grace working in me. So then it's not important if I told you 
God's messenger if the other apostles who told you. We all tell people the same message. And this is what you believed. That Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. God Himself stepped out of heaven. Taken on flesh. The Word incarnate. Who was from the beginning. And will be to the ending. The one who redeemed me by His grace and His sacrifice. The one who washed me in His blood and birthed me anew. Came into my life and made me new. This Jesus was crucified. Was buried. And three days later was raised again. This Jesus is God. And this God I will stake my life on. In this church home. To believe anything else is to prepare yourself for an eternity in hell. I encourage you, be careful what you listen to. Just because it says Jesus or just because they use Scripture. Not everyone is claiming the truth. I will say as Paul said, if I or an angel come and declare any other gospel than this gospel, make me accursed. Because that's the only gospel that matters. May we build our lives on the truth of who God is. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for the truth that we have in the Word of God. Father, may we lovingly, boldly declare to anyone that will listen that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that there is none other. There's not another to come, there never was another. He is the Word incarnate. And He is our hope and our salvation. Father, and may You use those words as we share them to bring life and light into darkened and dead hearts and souls. We pray this in the powerful, the mighty, the resurrected name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you.